The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger. Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising podcast. I'm Andy Clef and my co-host today is Jenny Tarwater, Enterprise Agile Coach at Agile Velocity. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you. Share with us some of your secret superpowers. Secret superpower. My husband actually gave me this nickname, Golden Retriever. So if you say something like, I need, I want, I take that on and I'll go do it. And just like, I just get so excited, just like a little golden retriever, a little tail wagon saying, here you go. Did I do it? Did I do it? So um, sometimes that's, sometimes that comes in really handy when you say something like, Hey, we need a natural coach to come over here, or I need this like new practice or, you know, sometimes it's less professional things than that. (laughs) Joining us today is the wonderful Esther Derby. Welcome back. You were with us December, 2019. I think when your book, Seven Rules for Positive Change was out. And uh, I think Chris Merman and Colleen talked to you. Yep. What are your secret superpowers? My secret superpowers? Well, if I tell you, they won't be a secret. Oh, good point. Hmm. I don't know. What are my, what do you think my superpower is, Jenny? The first thing that came to mind for me is helping folks see. Hmm. I know that's a way that you've helped me a lot in the past is I'm all wrapped up in something, some traumatic, dramatic thing. And you help me step back and kind of see the bigger picture and what might be helpful. Oh, I I love that superpower. Yay. It's kind of like the reframing superpower. There you go. You've got another another one from my perspective. It's the blender superpower. Hmm. The blender human systems, all your experience that you've been through in design, development, and change. You know, some people focus on just that part of the recipe, but you blend it with the human element. It's so wonderful. I like that one too. I thought you were going to go with the fish. What, what, what did they call it on that show? Fishmatic or something? (laughs) The bassomatic. A bassomatic. Oh, I do not want Bassmatic to be my superpower. (laughs) All right. So let's weave all this back together into our topic today. It's that time of year again. It is. Time of year. I'm not talking about pumpkin spice. I'm not talking about Christmas decorations or Thanksgiving menus. 
It's time for the annual performance review. Such a ritual. Oh, my palms, my palms just started sweating. Right? Your heartbeat. Here's the ritual. You gather anonymous feedback without context. (laughs) You summarize it with the manager who really doesn't know what you're up to. Then there's a review committee. They probably meet in person to person. And then you sit down across the table with your manager. The manager says, hey, Esther, you go first. How do you think you're doing? I think I'm doing great. Well, we have you down as a meets expectations, you know? And so what do you do next as the, you know, you get a ranking and um, it's just ridiculous. Have you, you've all been on the receiving side and the giving side. Mm-hmm. Jenny, you said, my palms are sweating. Yeah, I gotta sit there while somebody, somebody's judging me. It is a practice that the research says does not result in actual improvement. It takes up enormous amounts of time, but what it does very well is it reinforces the hierarchy. Uh, That I am in a position to judge you, to judge your worth as an employee and to, to exert power over you. It's bizarre. I I found in doing some research, I found a Gallup survey or report. I think it was updated for 2020 with the, um, the, the, you know, the new situations and the numbers and you, you reference it, Esther, that's just ridiculous. Two and a half to $35 million worth of time per 10,000 employees in an enterprise per year to doing the annual performance review, right? Could you state that figure again? Two and a half to $35 million in lost working hours per 10,000 employees to do the annual review process the the old way. Wow. Less than 15% of employees surveyed thought it actually helped them improve. And somewhere between two and 10, only two in 10 strongly agreed that their performance is managed in any way that motivates them to do outstanding work. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a big mess and it's a it's a huge time suck and it damages relationships between employees and managers and it can damage relationships between employees when there's that whole anonymous feedback thing because you can't you can't go find out, you know, and make amends if amends are needed or find out the context. You're just left kind of wondering, well, who said that about me and if they said that about me, why did they wait until review to tell my manager? Why didn't they tell me? So it actually undermines collaboration. Yeah. It yeah. Creates this, well, who said that about me? You mentioned Esther power dynamics. What are or for both of you, what are other anchors that are holding this in place. It's still prevalent. It's not a dinosaur. Yeah. Not going away quickly. Well, I hear I hear two things. Um, I hear people say, well, we have to do something. And and so this is what has always been done. So they do it. And then I, I hear some people say, that's when I ask HR people, they say, well, this will force managers to give feedback once a year. like well that's really pretty worthless i agree with that i see that that at least you get it once a year because managers may not know how to provide feedback 
may not do it frequently, if at all. So at least it's like the, it's like the MVP of feedback. Like we're going to spend 30 minutes once a year, at least check that box. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you, when you say it that way, it's, it, it is as ridiculous as it seems. Yeah. Right. Um, and that, you know, the, the answer is, is to, is to um, help managers know how to give useful feedback and help managers understand the impact of the system on performance. So I think there's way too much emphasis on individual performance. Yeah. Uh, for one thing, most work happens in a lot of work happens in a collaborative way, and it's really hard to tease out, you know, the exact contribution of one individual. And it is entirely possible to take competent people and make them look like idiots depending on the system you know if i try and if i try and because i'm always like this couldn't have started off with ill intent like where where what was what were people trying to do right and i like cadenced events right it mm-hmm. it, it, it gives you that opportunity to sit back and, and reflect and i like feedback so you know what about this um and what came up for me was Every instance I can think of where a manager provided me with a valuable annual performance conversation, they would have done it anyway. Like every every example I can think of, like, oh, no, I've, I've had performance reviews that were really useful to me. I'm like, yeah, but they also kind of had that conversation with me the month before. <laughs> right? like, yeah. it, it wasn't that was not the, that was not why we had that conversation. It, it just happened to be in that particular, you know, calendar invite. Well, I think a lot of people feel they have to have them for legal reasons so they can justify firing people or promoting people or they have a way to do their annual call, which is just a way to avoid having difficult conversations throughout the year. So I, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons people, um, get stuck in it, and and I, I tend to think that there there isn't ill intent, and the impact is still what the impact is. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced there's a a, a way to fix the annual review. Fix it if we could reinvent it, and and some companies at scale have moved in that direction. Yeah. Adobe Netscape. I, I don't know the, the details, but if the three of us could reinvent and make it an ad, a more agile approach to performance feedback, what would it look like? Well, let's talk about what performance feedback even means. What does that, what does that mean? I think I know what the word feedback means. I'm, I'm trying to connect it with the word performance feedback mm-hmm. and get all stuck there. So maybe separate it. Feedback. For, for me, performance feedback is, how am I doing? Which could be simply feedback. Yeah. And, and sometimes it varies. And Jenny, you and I have had conversations about, we, we pair a lot together, that what kind of feedback do you want? We're, we're mm-hmm. both reading, thanks for the feedback um, again. Um, mm-hmm. Dila Heen and Douglas Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, what kind of feedback do you write need right now? I just need appreciation. Can you just give me a little bit of appreciation? Sure. Oh, right. Or can I offer you some coaching? Yeah, I'm, I can receive it or evaluation. So that's what I'm thinking about when I say, okay, let's reinvent this. Because we know mm-hmm. if the annual performance 
was was a was a prescription drug, the FDA would not approve it for efficacy right now. <laughs> it would not be approved for right. So if we were to reinvent it, and and we Jenny and I have a sort of a, another incentive here, we're we're part of a very flat team. Mm-hmm. We we no longer have managers. We have peers. We have partners. And we're exploring ways to continuously improve ourselves, our collaboration. And clearly the annual performance review is not a path we want to go down. Mm-hmm. You know, so what are the, if, if a large enterprise came to you, Esther, and said, look, we know this isn't working. We're wasting money. We want to reinvent it. Could we come up with a definition of ready for the org to embark on an experiment of trying something new? What would it look like? Where where would you put the parameters? Well, I think it, I, I think it. I don't think there is one right answer. I think there are probably a bunch of different good answers. The first thing I might do would be shift the focus from evaluation to helping people be successful in this organization, and helping people deliver uh, know how to deliver value to their customers and to collaborate successfully with their teams. So I would switch it from, you know, I'm evaluating you to, you know, let's see what we can do to help you be successful here. And some similar things might come up, you know, some things might come up around, you know, you, your, your skills in this area could use some work or your style is getting in your way. And here's some coaching on how to, you know, how to do things in a different way. So this, the same things can come up, but not in the sense of, you know, here's what's wrong with you, but here, let's work on this because you'll be even more successful. You know, so I, so I think it would drive a different kind, kind of conversation, but it also has to happen. Like Jenny said, it can't just be 30 minutes once a year. It has to be often Right. Well, and there's a, there's a principle that I use in agile coaching, right? If you're, if you're not very good at something, do it more frequently because it'll force you to get better at it, right? Whether that's releasing or planning or whatever the case may be. Um, so if feedback's hard, either to, to give or to take, do it more frequently. What about monthly? I have a client here in, in Kansas city um, that I, they changed to, and they didn't call it monthly performance evaluation, they called it monthly coaching sessions. And it was a requirement from HR, you know, that they do that because they eliminated the annual performance review and replaced it with monthly conversations. Mm -hmm. And people may need some training on how to have that conversation, you know, because we, people are so, um, you know, they, they often confuse um, feedback with criticism or or evaluation or critique or something like that. But it's really, it's information about something that happened in the past, hopefully the recent past, you know, not like six months ago, 30 years ago, <laughs> and with, with the hope of influencing future behavior. I mean, that's a definition Jerry Weinberg used. And I think it's a, I think it's a useful one. So, so that means you have to, you have to learn how to, describe something in a neutral way so it's not automatically and from the get-go described in in language that's likely to make people feel defensive so be neutral 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 and then talk about the impact you know if there's no impact i i wonder why people are even bringing it up 
And then, you know, then you can do problem solving or coaching or, you know, whatever else is needed. And sometimes people need appreciation, right? I think that's also a super useful thing to do. People get confused that um, I think feedback is always something that needs to be improved. And sometimes it's feedback about something that is really great, but people may not understand the impact of it because it's easy for them or natural for them. Right. Yeah. When we talk about blind spots um, and I actually, I had a post-it note on my wall from the last time we had a feedback session where I said, blind spots are okay. Right. That's why one of the reasons that I really like getting feedback is because I'm not objective about myself. And that includes not just things I could improve, but sometimes, like you said, things that come easy to me. Mm -hmm. I don't even realize that there's value in that. And Esther, after you asked me what your superpower was, and I said to help see all of a sudden, I remembered all of these different tools and techniques that you had provided me about Mm -hmm. sketching when you're watching a team and like all of these ways to see. And I don't know, you're just like, oh, I, I like that. I hadn't thought about it that way, right? That, that, that blind spot, that how others see you, it's valuable. Yeah, we, we can never see ourselves the way other people see us. Feedback can give us some clues, but that's, that's one of the paradoxes of being human. Yeah, there's no mirror. You, you yeah. can't see what other people are seeing in your face and the micro expressions. Mm-hmm. Or our strengths and superpowers or this, you know, the stuff that, like Jenny said, comes really easily. So we don't notice it as something that has a, a major impact on other people. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was, I would flip the orientation and I would to, how can, how can we help you be successful or more successful? And I would make it more frequent and I would not just focus it on, you know, what needs to improve. I would do those things. You know, one of, the, one of the things that you pointed out was there's probably some training and guidance that managers would find helpful about how to provide feedback. I think there's mm-hmm. probably the same for folks on how to receive it. Yep. I think that's also helpful for people. What comes to mind? Well, there's, I mean, you know, consider the source. There's always going to be some kind of filter, right? I'm going to take mm-hmm. feedback differently from different people, depending on the level of respect or, you know, the amount of vulnerability, history, you know, et cetera, as well as situation. Where am I right at that moment? Right. I I get up and I do something. I know it was horrible. Right. I I don't, I don't, I actually really don't need an evaluation right then. You know, maybe I do need appreciation, but people might not have that, um, that, that toolkit ready. I try my hardest any kind of feedback that I receive, even if I want to immediately discount it for whatever reason, to say there might be something there to listen to. You know, sometimes maybe I need to keep it in a little box and look at it the next day. Mm-hmm. But there's probably something there to try on or or look at and see. And some of the feedback that I've gotten that has been most valuable have come from unexpected places, places where I would not have looked for feedback. For example? Um <laughs> I use this word kind of jokingly, but I had a nemesis one time. It just really made my days hard. But boy, there was a couple of things that that person pointed out that were true, right? The delivery was not good and such, but it was uh, some things that were said and appreciation. Boy, when I got appreciation from that nemesis, I knew that was real. So I think that's a, that's a really important point that, you know, the relationship you have with that person matters a lot. Timing matters, which is why I think it's, it's 
always important to, you know, have, have a, some a little social contract about feedback. So you need permission, you need permission and you need to know the timings, right? Because if someone isn't, you know, if you, if you've just done it, some, a presentation that you, you know, you sense did not really go very well and you're kind of like feeling a little battered, that may not be the right time. So yeah, like you said, put it in a little box till tomorrow. Um, and recognize that it's one person's perceptions. It's not the truth about you, you know, and that whole, the whole status hierarchy thing tends to, to reinforce that idea that it's the truth about you. Well, it's not, it's, you know, you know, people put numbers on it to make it feel objective, but it's not, um, it's a, it's a perception. And if, you know, if you hear the same thing from five people, then, you know, pay attention. Well, in the 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 you know the ritual not only are you getting pseudo feedback but it's tied to bonus performance mm-hmm. compensation mm-hmm. which which adds to the gravity of that right. I worked at a company um uh, the 15 years that I was there there were 11 layoffs your stack ranking your evaluation impacted you know your your, your maslow's hierarchy Right. Oh mm-hmm. gosh, I slipped out of the top tier. Right. We've let enough people go now. <laughs> you know what is what does that mean for my well being and and mm-hmm. my family? Uh, my my palms just started sweating. I, I the 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 PT the the impact of that it was real. Mm-hmm. So if if we were to separate the two, right, feedback from compensation, that old model ties them together. And that was one of the yeah. HR slash legal reasons that it's lasted so long. What does that look like? I think separating the two is important. But before we go to that, I want to I wanna go back to this Jenny. What Jenny said made me think about this. And this is also not in, incorporated in feedback, which is Lewin's equation, which is performance is a function of the person and their environment. And the environment is almost never considered. So I've, you know, I've, seen um, teams where every single individual on that team was competent and bright, but the process they were using was so screwed up that they all looked like idiots, right? Were they incompetent? No, but their environment made it so difficult for them. The process they were using made it so difficult for them to produce any, you know, workable code that they all looked incompetent, but that almost is never considered. So, so I would add that in there too. We have to, we have to um, help people be aware that performance is a function of the person and the environment. And, and the team. So there's, there's the a team, team obligation. Um, and this might lead Jenny into the, the topic that we wanted to cover. We mentioned earlier, we're exploring flat organization. And, and how to have a sort of round table reviews, which separate, take the compensation out where yeah. it's not on the table. It's who you work with. <laughs> I love the nemesis. Who's your nemesis? Bring them to the table. And we've, we've done this one quarter and we're going to start again uh, next quarter. But Jenny, your experience, you, you dropped into it mm-hmm. recently. Tell us about it. So uh, just overall first, I, I really liked it and I enjoyed it. I think the, the format itself, um, I mean, there's, there's consent involved, right? Everybody that I invited, you know, I, and even if that was somebody I thought might have, 
not as positive perspective, right? They were there because I asked them to be. So that consent was there. I appreciated that you're right. It, 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 it was just for that conversation and just for that information. It was not tied to anything else, right? And I also liked the forcing function that the night before I was doing a lot of self-reflection, right? Because we started off with the individual talking about what they thought their kind of forehands and backhands and where they might need help, right? And so that really, all right, I've got a, I got a crowd here. What are they going to see that I don't see? You know, mm-hmm. part of my ego was like, I want to make sure that I get everything down before somebody else can point it out. And then I had this deep moment and like a, like a, a relaxing moment and a deep breath came out and I'm like, but gosh, if that's all that happened, that would be a disappointment. And then I got excited to wonder what my blind spots were <laughs> and to help remember that I actually went in my, my holiday decorations and I pulled out like a Christmas present, like a decoration. And I put it on my desk to remember that if, if something came up, that was a gift and that I should be thankful for it. Even if I didn't like it right then, that it was a gift. Well, it's certainly something to consider and see if right. it fits, right? Right on. But, Don't like it, take it back. <laughs> but um, I, I think that when when um, that sort of feedback is separated, it's it's just severed from the perform from the compensation from the, that conversation is completely separate. It makes it much more likely that people are going to seek out some information that isn't confirming their wonderfulness because when when your job's on the line your promotion's on the line you know whether you're in the right tier is on the line then the 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 impulse is to just try to get as much laudatory feedback as you can rather than seek out information that might tell you about one of your blind spots where man you could really you know you could make some significant change if you were aware of something so I think that's another reason to separate those conversations from from the compensation and you know the whole merit pay thing is a you know yeah kind of myth anyway. So the other thing that happened in that on that day um, that I just so I have two thoughts here. One is the fact that it wasn't tied to compensation or something else to ruminate about later. Mm-hmm. Like I it was just about the conversation and stuff. In my self-reflection the night before, I had kind of a hard truth I had to face. Mm-hmm. And that was that I had not been showing up with my full self. And as Annie said, you know, dropped in, I was you know, in a newer job and there was a lot of stuff going on in my personal life. And I thought I was compartmentalizing very well, wherein I wasn't. So I was able to bring that into the conversation which we have a whole podcast about that, but where it's relevant here is that day was a line of like demarcation for me. Like I left that baggage that day, took a deep breath and said, okay, now that I recognize this, I need to be Jenny, right? There's a reason that the Jenny's here and Jenny has her strengths and, and, and such. And so let's let, let's let those come out. Um, but it was a sense of relief. And I don't know if that would have been tied to compensation or something, that I wouldn't, I would have had that same sense of relief. It would have been like, ah, oh, shucks. And this is the reason, you know, it, it, like, oh, I didn't get the raise or I didn't deserve the raise or whatever the case might have been. I just got to think about, you know, the reflection and the conversation, the new information. 
There's another piece that we did intentionally as we designed that experiment. So not only do, do you as the recipient go first and you and there's a sort of a format to it, you know, what are your strengths and what are your areas for improvement? But there's a there's an ask and an offer from the team that you're part of. And so as you go first, what do you need from this team? Not Jenny, what are you going to do to, you know, deal with your blind spots? What do you need from your team to change your impact? And then as each team member goes around and provides the same thing, you know, what are your most significant strengths? What do I see as your areas for development? And what do I see as the team's responsibility in your growth? Right? And so it's this collaborative thing that has never been a part of the annual performance review. But um, I'm wondering, Esther, based on your comment about the system, maybe there's another lens to, that we add. What do we need to do about our system as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because, you know, in, in most software jobs, your success is tied to other people. And so looking at that as a group and looking at, you know, how can this group make the best of what they have and minimize their areas where they're not as strong is, I think, a much more useful conversation than just focusing on, on um, you, know, in, you know, your individual perceived deficits. And, you know, people's performance is not, you know, we're not machines. You know, uh, the way we show up and the way we are able to interact with people and the way we were able to make use of our skills and capabilities and qualities is not, you know, a one even line, right? I mean, we all have good days and bad days. And if you've got stuff going on in the background, you know, maybe you have a stretch of bad days, but that doesn't mean, at least to me, that, that uh, you know, it's something that should be considered, uh, you know, a, a black mark, right? I mean, that happens to everybody. And if they get some support, they'll come out of it and then they'll, they'll be back and they'll be better and they'll be more committed to the situation they're in, right? But this whole little, oh, you're a, a, an automaton and your performance should be exactly the same, no matter what's going on in your life. So that's another thing that I think has to be considered. When I was a dev manager, there's a um, a guy who reported to me who was, you know, he was steady Eddie kind of guy and suddenly he wasn't so steady. And it turned out that uh, he was going through a really messy divorce and was worried about losing his kids. And, you know, <laughs> you know, to expect someone to put that and just put that in the background is not human. So, you know, we figured out some stuff and, you know, he, so, so we could get to the various court things he needed to get to and get some support. And, you know, eventually he was back. If it had gone on for years, it would be a different thing, but, you know, it's just a temporary thing. There's so many legacies in our world left over from old ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. Talk about automatons and, you know, always be efficient. Um, we are we are in assembly lines. This is not Henry Ford anymore. Um, so there's got to be better ways. Well, even Henry Ford, you know, the people were still they were they were not automatons. What else? 
What else about feedback, growth, can we add to the conversation? There is some um, research about the negative, the, the ratio of positive to negative messages we get in our lives. And for most people, the negatives far outweigh the positives. And I have also seen some discussion that just focusing on the positive is in some ways more likely to, to result in greater, greater joy and greater skill and, and greater all this good stuff than focusing on people's deficits. So I wonder if that's another shift. Hmm. You know, that we focus on, you know, what people are doing well. And, you know, obviously there's situations where you have to bring up some other stuff that's outside of people's awareness or that it was, you know, they grew up in a family where yelling at people was just normal, but it's not normal at work and not acceptable at work. You know, obviously there's some exceptions, but again, that's about helping people understand impact and and making choices. So, so I wonder if that would, how that would um, change things. If the focus were on building on strengths versus calling out deficits, with some some exceptions, of course. Didn't you didn't you say something earlier about your superpower being reframing? It <laughs> <laughs> seems, seems to have some kind of connection there. Yeah, maybe. Right, Jenny. Any other thoughts before we wrap? I have a I think I have a challenge for folks. Let me go a little meta here. We were talking about folks don't have a lot of experience or training in giving feedback and in receiving it. What if you ask for feedback on how you gave feedback? It seems like a good idea. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't have anybody that I have reporting to me right now, but let's say I did have five people reporting to me. Those are five new pieces of data that I could have. What is it every month? Is that what we decided every week? Whatever it is, hopefully daily, right? So get feedback on your feedback. Yeah. Invite it. Well, we're always, you know, we're always uh, both giving and receiving feedback, you know, in how we are perceiving things, you know, and it may be that, you know, the, uh, an expression, it may be, uh, um, the way, you know, the way we raise our eyebrow or something, all of these things in some ways are feedback. So we're, just, oh. we're always, you know, putting out some level of information. So I think it's being, you know, being more aware and more intentional about when we have these conversations, I think it's a great idea. And getting feedback on the way you give feedback is helpful. I sometimes teach people how to back lead if, for when they get like really vague feedback. You know about backleading, Jenny, I'm sure. Tell us more. Well, a lot of men don't know about backleading if they've been backled well. If, if, you, if you're good at backleading, the person being backled never actually knows it's happening. This is from, comes from formal dancing. But in feedback situation, if you get something really vague, like, oh, you're too nice, which was feedback that somebody told me about getting at one point, then, and then you backlead them. You back lead the person who gave the feedback and you say, oh, can you give me some examples of when I've been too nice? So you can get some neutral data. How do you see that affecting my ability to be effective, you know, be successful here? How do you think that my style gets in the way? So you get some impact and then you can ask, ask for some coaching. Well, can you help me? Can you help me figure out different ways to handle those situations? So back leading for feedback. That could be the topic of yet another. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. So we're coming up on the end of our time box here. This has been wonderful, Esther. I want to give you a chance to shout out anything you coming up. You you have a monthly podcast, Change by Attraction. I do. The last Wednesday of every month. And I, I, it is. What's in your backlog or what's what's shipping? Uh, well, for for one thing, I could 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 keep talking to you guys for the rest of the day. It's just hey. been a, a lovely conversation. So the most recent podcast came out yesterday at the time of this recording, and it's a called The Past is in the Present. And it talks about how things that happened in past in organizations are rippling through the present and how it helps us to be aware of those. So that's the most recent one. I am working on a YouTube video about remote retrospectives. So that's going to be coming out sometime soon. And we're actually working on the second edition of Agile Retrospectives. So that will um, include a lot of stuff we've learned since we wrote the first edition and including information about remote retrospectives and how to, how to elevate issues above the outside the team when, you know, there's stuff going on in the team that they need organizational help, managerial help getting solved. Uh, have some information about that and yeah, various other new things. Lovely. What are the best ways for people to get in touch with you? People can always email me at esther at estherderby.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I love Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that look is so interesting. Information radiator right here. Yes. So, yeah. I love Twitter as well. Most of the time. <laughs> most of the time I do, but that's because I stay out of um, certain sorts of um, pointless arguments. Um, <laughs> that, right. that helps. But yeah, so it's another way to get in touch with me, LinkedIn. Cool. We'll include that in the show notes. And anyone that's uh, interested in hearing a little bit more about how Esther thinks, I know I have three books on my bookshelf. And I can say that because, you know, working from home over the last 18 months, I know I haven't lent them out. <laughs> um, I couldn't always say they're on my bookshelf. But um, so you mentioned the Agile Retrospectives, which I, I can't. I, I don't remember a time when I hadn't read that. Like it's just so fundamental to, I think the my retrospective practices absolutely should, should have that um, with Diana Larson. Uh, most recently, the seven rules for positive, productive micro shifts, macro results. I've uh, attended your book release party at Agile. Oh, you were the golden retriever behind that book release party at the Agile conference. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> no, you definitely were. You made it happen. So, and it was super, and it was fun. Thank you. Um, great book. Um, there's some just excellent metaphors in there. And, you know, I leverage often. Um, and Behind Closed Doors, Secrets of Great Management with uh, John. Yeah. yeah. So it's been around for a long time. Because I was a programmer on Wednesday and a manager on Thursday. <laughs> Never I had a lot to figure out. Well, thanks again, Esther. Yeah, it's been delightful. Thanks for having me on. You too, Jenny. And to our listening audience, thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend, a colleague, or a manager that's still doing it. Performance reviews. <laughs> if you'd like to join the discussion and, and share your stories, uh, about the best or worst review you ever got, come on over to our Discord server. It's pretty lively. Lost count, it's over 300 people chatting away. Information on agileuprising.com. And finally, support from listeners just like you help us cover our hosting and, and podcast costs. 
So see the show notes for details on how to become a patron. Until next time, this is the Agile Uprising podcast signing out. Shall we do some oh boys to close out? Oh, oh, oh boy. boy! Oh boy, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy.